Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Up until today, I have uh, I've enjoyed uh, watching the, the Milwaukee Brewers, and, and up until today, for the most part, they have remained a, a fun number two for me, and I'm sure for some of our listeners as well. I don't want to speak for everyone. Up until now, the Brewers have been a, a fun, entertaining number two while we watch the Milwaukee Bucks win their first playoff series and hopefully go a lot farther. Right? We, we've been focused on the Bucks. That's probably been my priority. That's probably been your priority as well. And then the Brewers are just getting their season started. And up until now, they've been exciting. They've been entertaining. Yeah, they have their issues. What team doesn't? We, we'll talk about it. We'll think about it. But I'm not freaking out. I'm not getting mad. Well, today I got pissed off. Today I'm upset. Because I am so sick. And it's been, what, six games, seven games? I, I am so sick of coming on here, and maybe it's because I'm 21 years old and I feel like nothing has changed in my lifetime. I'm so sick of coming on here and talking about this Brewers team. And remember, weeks ago, we talked about how this might be their best batting lineup ever to start a season. We looked at the 80, the 81, the 82 team, late 80s. Looked at the team from 2008, 2011. I said, this might be the best batting lineup ever. They should be embarrassed right now. They should be pissed off right now because they just got swept by the Cardinals. Right before losing two of three to the Dodgers, excuse me, three of four. And we talked on Monday about how over the weekend against the Dodgers, they weren't doing a damn thing on offense if it wasn't for home runs. And well, you know, Dodgers are a good team. All right, you can have a bad series. I'm not going to get upset about that. Well, last night, sitting around the bonfire in our backyard, we're listening to the music. I was hanging out with a couple of friends, one of whom isn't even a, isn't even a Brewer fan. He's a Cubs fan. And he's like, yeah, I want to listen to the Brewers. Okay, we tune in. They fall behind 1-0. They tie it. R.C. hits a homer. All right, fine. They fall behind 1-2. They tie it. Shaw hits a homer. Both solo shots, nobody on. All right, and then the Cubs score a, a couple of runs. They, they take a lead 4-2 to two, uh, on a double from Yadier Molina. All right, okay, fine. Cardinals are a good team. I'm not going to lose it. And then they score again in the ninth. Nobody on. Shaw hits another solo homer. All right, sick. Three runs last night. All solo shots, not a damn ounce of base runners for any of those home runs. All right, whatever. One game, I'm not, not going to lose it. Today, okay, today I lost it. Today I'm pissed off. Brewers lost 5-2 to two today, and the only two runs they got was a solo shot from Eric Thames, who everybody thought would be an afterthought this season because, well, Jesus Aguilar's coming off a career. Oh, my God, the first base is set. That was one of their runs, and then the other was a bases-loaded walk from Ben Gamble. And you know who scored? Eric Thames. Manny Pena was also on base. And Yasmani Grandal. Not exactly your expected uh, offensive firepowers through this batting order. The Brewers should be pissed off. They should be embarrassed. because they, and, and we've always talked about this as a trend. This is no longer a trend. This is a fact. A salient fact that the Brewers cannot factor in. They cannot produce a damn bit of offense without it coming through a home run swing. Not a bit. I don't say, well, they score most of their home runs, or most of their runs courtesy of homer. No, all of their runs. Every single run, it seems, is coming through the home run. It was a case last night. It would have been the case today had whatever happened in the top of the night. I wasn't watching. I was stuck in class. I checked after class. Oh, yeah, they got another run. Oh, Ben Gamble walked it in. Awesome. Nice. Great. Good for Milwaukee. 
13-13 and 13 after getting swept by the cards. And, you know, whatever. If the Brewers were scoring 8-9 runs a game and then their pitching wasn't getting it done, fine. Or, or if the pitching wasn't getting it, like I said, pitching's not getting it done, that's one thing. But five runs they give up to St. Louis today, four runs yesterday, those are incredibly winnable ball games. Incredibly winnable ball games. Brewers will be off tomorrow before they start a series with the Mets. It's unbelievable. Like I said, they should be embarrassed. They should be pissed off. Because Eric Thames, who everybody thought, like I said, was going to be an afterthought, provided just about 99% of their offense, would have been all their offense today on a solo home run if Ben Gamble hadn't have walked in a run with the bases loaded. That's pathetic. That's absolutely pathetic. And I'm getting real sick of coming on here and talking about it, to be completely honest. I'm trying to just keep the Brewers a nice number two, right? A, a nice entertaining number two while we while we analyze and, and get excited for the Bucks as they try to run deeper into the Eastern Conference playoffs, hopefully the NBA Finals. And I keep looking, looking next door to the Milwaukee Brewers, who also, don't get me wrong, I'm watching the games, I'm paying attention, but I my focus is on the Bucks right now, and I see them, oh, two runs, one run, how they get those runs, okay, solo shots, awesome, great. Glad we went out and spent all that money on Yasmani Grandal, right? I'm glad we paid to bring Mike Moustakis back. I'm glad the Brewers did all these things and said, yeah, we put our money into offense because we're confident in our pitching rotation, which has turned out just as bad as you can possibly imagine. And it would be one thing if the offense would pick them up because they did spend uh, over $20 million to bring in Grandal and to bring back Moustakis. But no. No. We'll just hit solo shots and, and hope uh, that, that the bullpen and the starting pitchers will combine to give up a run or two because that's the only way we're going to win a damn game. That's awful. Need the day off tomorrow in the worst way. Christian Yelich didn't, didn't play outside of a pinch hit today, uh, probably to give him an extra day combined with tomorrow's off day. And I get that. I wasn't upset about that. You're telling me that Ryan Braun can't? Ryan Braun grinded into a double play today. Killed a rally in the first inning. Same thing happened in the second. Ground, ground rule, or not ground rule, double play, but a double play. Oh, well, crap. Didn't find the home run stroke today. Guess we're not going to win. Well, I, I guess that's just how uh, we, we expect the season to go then. Because if all the runs are going to come through home runs, it's going to be a long, 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 long season. Now, today the Brewers made a move. And before the Brewers lost to the Cardinals today, I was expecting to kind of be excited coming on here today. Come on and talk about how the Brewers uh, signed Gio Gonzalez and talk about the details of that contract and how this move might actually be able to supplement their pitching staff and be exactly what they need. Because Gio Gonzalez, I don't know how they're going to plan to use him. We're going to talk about details of his contract that might give us an inkling, that that might give us a a reason to think that he will be used in one way or another. We're not for sure. And when Freddie Peralta gets healthy and Jimmy Nelson gets healthy and and Corbin Burns ultimately is back up in the majors at some point, we hope that Gio Gonzalez might be in the bullpen, might be a starter. I I don't know. His contract is interesting in the way that they structured it. We'll talk about that coming up in a few minutes. The Brewers pitching his bat, and we're here to complain about the offense. Brewers pitching has just been just as bad. They haven't had a starter go a full six innings, which is not, six innings is not, it's not that much. That's not, it's not that much. That's average. They haven't had a starter go six full innings since April 13th. It's 11 days ago. It's a long stretch, especially when you're playing the Cardinals and the Dodgers, where every single batter is dangerous top to bottom, like the Brewers lineup should be, but is not. You need starters to go deeper into games. Last year was one thing, okay? Last year, the Brewers' bullpen was a completely different animal. It just, it wasn't a good bullpen. It was an out-of-this-world, an anomaly type of bullpen where you had three guys who were pitching at closer, 
at a closer level. You had Corbin Burns in middle relief, and then you supplemented and added throughout the regular season. That bullpen was nails. You could play a little bit differently last year. This year, no. You, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not the same. You can't, you, you can't refer to these guys as out-getters. Right? You, you can't use openers, and you can't dip into your bullpen in the fourth inning just because you don't like uh, the thought of your starting pitcher going through the rotation or through the batting order a third time. You don't have that flexibility. Last year is not this year, and the Brewers are going to need to expect different things out of their starting pitchers. Brewers relievers this year have accounted for 96 and two-thirds innings. That's most in the National League. Now, the Brewers have played just about as many uh, or more games as just about, I believe, every team other than the Dodgers. Uh, they've played more games. They haven't had many off days. Had a lot of a couple four-game series in there as well, but 96, almost 97 innings your relievers are accounting for. It's April 24th. Short starts were okay last year. This year, they're not, and I think the addition of Gio Gonzalez... Man, I'm not going to say he's elite. I'm not going to say he's Chris Sale or Adam Wainwright. Man, I'm not even going to say he's Zach Davies at this point. But he's something. He's another arm, which they really need, especially given the uh, the run of injuries that they've had at, at starting pitching. And, and hopefully, like I said, Jimmy Nelson will be back. Hopefully, Freddie Peralta's stint on the, on the IL will be short, and that's uh, the way that it looks right now. They just needed another arm, so I commend the Brewers for going out and getting it done today. They structured the contract interestingly. Uh, it is only a one-year deal, and the way that it's structured is, is interesting. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the details uh, and, and continue to talk about what the hell's going on with the Brewers because they're 13-13. and 13. They're fourth in the division. And look, if they would have hung tight and played three really good games with the Cardinals, I wouldn't be on here upset right now. It's April 24th, Okay. But the way that they are losing and the way the only way that they're scoring home runs or the only way that they're scoring runs is coming through home runs, like that's absurd. They should be they should be embarrassed. They should be pissed off because it's pathetic. Tell me you get two runs in the series finale coming up before an off day. One is a solo shot in the first inning and another is a walk late in the game. You can't have that. And I don't I don't want to be overly dramatic. But if they would have hung in there with the Cardinals, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Let's continue to talk Brewers, Gio Gonzalez, and all things that are going on in Milwaukee right now. The Wisco Sports Show will return, courtesy of Played Against Sports, in a minute here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking Brewers. I am uh, I'm not happy. I got a text <laughs> on the five-star telecom talking text line that uh, made me more happy. It changed my mood just a little bit. 608-796-2558. Uh, that is the number if you want to get in touch with the show. The phones are down today. The text line is working. Of course, Twitter is always open. You can tweet at me at Grant at the station at WKTY. You just can't call today, so I apologize. Scott Stack, who is our uh, one of our resident Packer fans, our smart Packer fan, and an anti-Aaron Rodgers Packer fan, says, Relax, Francis. Welcome to the Aaron Rodgers-inspired Brewers. It's all Hail Marys and, and home runs. No! <laughs> I can't, and we're and we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers later. So we will have uh, we'll have some some Green Bay content coming up. But I that made me laugh and probably put me in a better mood, which is which is very necessary because the Brewers did do something positive today. They went out and they they supplemented uh, their pitching staff with Gio Gonzalez, and I say pitching staff and not bullpen. 
or not starting rotation because I do I do think it is a supplement to the pitching staff as a whole. Uh, the details for the deal with Gio Gonzalez, who remember was added late in the season last year uh, and part of their postseason run, and then was not retained as a free agent. Well, they get him back on a one-year, $2 million major league contract. Okay, the deal also includes $2 million in performance bonuses. It's full. Uh, the guarantee is in full. It's not prorated. That was first reported by Ken Rosenthal of Fox and of The Athletic. I don't necessarily like to get into the numbers of contracts very often. I don't like to sit down and say, okay, well, this year he's going to get this much and this much is guaranteed and, and signing bonus and blah, blah, blah. Because for the most part, it doesn't matter. We don't really need to know. In football, which is the biggest conversations we have about contracts, what's the cap hit, right? In the in the sphere of 2019, how does this contract affect the bottom line for the team and their ability to add others should they want to do so, right? Whether it's guaranteed or, or whether it's prorated or, or this clause kicks in doesn't really matter. It's most of all, how does it affect the salary cap? Well, it's a one-year deal, so, so it's really not going to hamstring the Brewers down the line. But what is interesting about this contract, and this was reported by Robert Murray of The Athletic. He's the Brewers beat writer for The Athletic. This deal includes performance point bonuses. Let me, let me explain further. So, so depending on what Gio Gonzalez does, he's going to earn points. And if he earns a certain amount of points, he will earn bonuses. Of around, each bonus is about uh, one-third of a million. Well, it is actually pretty much exactly uh, a third of a million dollars, $333,333. Okay, two points are awarded for each appearance of three innings or more as a pitcher, one point awarded for all other appearances. So every time he appears, he gets a point. Every time he goes three innings or more, he gets two points. All right, and that bonus starts to kick in at 25 and then escalates at 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, okay? That might seem just like an incentive to pitch as often and to pitch as much as possible, but here's the thing. It's not based on starts, right? It's based on appearances and appearances longer than three innings. So this is some sort of protection for Gio Gonzalez because if the Brewers say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you two, $2 million and we're also going to give you up to $2 million in bonuses and every start that you make, you're going to get points or, or, or get a, a, a shot in the arm uh, into your contract and into your pocket, right? Well, then it would be easy for the Brewers to turn around when Jimmy Nelson gets healthy, when Freddie Peralta gets healthy and when Corbin Burns if ever comes back up and, and rejoins the starting rotation to say, all right, Gio, we're going to move you to the bullpen you're not going to be making starts, and we're going to save money. Instead, Gio Gonzalez gets a little bit of protection from that. In the case that he's used as an opener, he pitches a couple of batters or pitches an inning or two to get it to the rest of the bullpen. Okay, well, he's protected. He still gets credit for that performance, for that appearance, right? Let's say he comes in in the fourth inning and pitches through the seventh. That's a great performance, but it's not a start. It's not a save, but it's three or more innings, so he gets more points towards a bonus. And the way that that contract is structured might give us a little bit of a peek behind the curtain in how ultimately the Brewers plan to use Gio Gonzalez. Because I think at, at some point here in the near future, he will be a starter. Because Jimmy Nelson is not yet healthy, and Corbin Burns probably is going to take some time to work through his issues. They need starters right now. But when those pitchers return, and ideally David Stearns wants his young, homegrown pitchers in the rotation before a guy like Gio Gonzalez on a one-year contract, he probably gets moved back to the bullpen. Maybe makes a spot start in case of an injury or a pitcher who needs a day of rest. Or maybe the guy's got to go on the paternity leave. I don't know. It's a long season. In that case, Gio Gonzalez might slip back into the starting rotation. But I think he he will eventually find his home in the bullpen in this contract. 
shows that they want to give Gio Gonzalez credit for any work he does in the bullpen, whether he's starting or not. Uh, this contract accounts for it. Now, whether the Brewers bring in Gio Gonzalez and whether he is successful or not ultimately may not solve their issues that they're currently going through. They've fallen to 13-13, and 13, lost all three against the Cardinals, three of four over the Easter weekend to the Dodgers. Their starting pitching hasn't been going deep into games. Starting pitcher hasn't gone six full innings since April 13th. That was 11 days ago. Their relieving pitchers, as we talked about, have eaten up 96 and two-thirds innings. That's most in the NL. They're not getting enough production and enough success out of their starting pitching, and they're getting no production from their offense unless it's through home runs. And because their offense has been so quiet, the home runs that they have had have been solo shots, which, let's be real, are, are, are pretty ineffective. One solo shot, for the most part, is not going to decide a game, for the most part, especially when your pitchers are giving up a lot of runs. Now, look, don't get me wrong, I don't mean to hate on the Brewers today, although I was kind of frustrated earlier today and when we started the show, I... These are difficult problems to solve. These are the two issues that set apart the the elite teams from the the pretty good teams. You can make a uh, you can get hot and make a run with okay starting pitching, and and your hitters can get hot and, and get on a home run streak, and you can win games that way. But ultimately, to put together a long run into the postseason and to contend and win a championship, you need consistent offense that comes through multiple channels, not just the long ball. You need starting pitchers who can eat up some innings, so your bullpen, which hopefully on a contending team is still elite, has an opportunity to pitch and not get fatigued. There's plenty of other teams in the league who have had these issues. It just feels like it's always the same with the Brewers. It's always the same with the Brewers. 71% of the runs scored by the Brewers so far this year have been on home runs. The league average is 44, which, don't get me wrong, is a lot. That's a lot. But 74, that's 30% over the league average. Baseball is trending towards home runs. I'm not resisting that. I'm not in denial about that. But as home run centric as the league has become, you look at teams like the Yankees last year and the Blue Jays. All they do is hit home runs. The Dodgers hit a lot of home runs. The league average is 44. The Brewers are at 71. 71% of all of their offense is coming through the home run ball. God. And, and you know, and if you follow me on Twitter at Keystroker Grant, you would have seen this sarcastic remark I made earlier today on Twitter. It's fascinating because after the Dodgers series, Brewers fans kind of said, okay, well, maybe maybe there are some problems. Starting pitching isn't going deep enough into games, and the bullpen's taxed and really not that good outside of Josh Hader and, and hopefully Jeremy Jeffress when he returns to form, we hope. And they're not scoring enough runs. They're relying on the home run ball. So what was the conversation that I saw? Why don't we put Yasmani Grandal at first base? What the hell? Seriously? Why? It was the same thing with with Ryan Braun last year. Well, can Ryan Braun play first base? Now, if Domingo Santana was on this roster, I'd be saying, well, maybe Domingo Santana can play first base. But he ain't here. Moving Osmani Grandal to first base, what the hell is that going to accomplish? What, so the Brewers can get Manny Pena's bat back into the lineup? I don't know if that solves any problems. When we started this season, and, and don't get me wrong, we could return to this. We were talking about how this might be the best batting order, best lineup we have seen ever for the Brewers. Lorenzo Kane, Christian Yelich, Ryan Braun, Jesus Aguilar, Yasmani Grandal, Mike Moustakis, Travis Shaw. Think about that. Travis Shaw and Mike Moustakis are sit, sitting down at 6-7. Orlando Arce is hitting 8th, which he's had a little bit of pop in the bat and he's made better contact. You can live with Orlando Arce at 8. Yasmani Grandal is hitting 6th. We're doing pretty damn good. I mean, remember those conversations we were having? Well, now Yasmani Grandal is hitting 3rd. 
Uh, so the Brewers' offense has definitely faltered and sputtered, and the Jesus Aguilar thing didn't surprise me. I didn't think he would be this poor, but I didn't expect him to put together another season, and if you listen to this show with any sort of regularity throughout the winter, I talked about that all the time. I'm not sold on Jesus Aguilar. I wasn't sold on Yolisha Seen as well. It looks like he's at least going to be pretty good. Uh, we'll see what he does this year in, in compared to last year, but... Yes, Manny Grandal, we were so excited for the Brewers lineup because we were going to have hitters like Travis Shaw and, and Grandal and Moustakas hitting down in that 6-7 area, that 5-6-7 area. Well, well now Yasmani Grandal is hitting third, not because the Brewers' batting order is that competitive and that good, but they need people to produce outside of Christian Yelich. And really, Christian Yelich has been a, a, a below-average player on the road. Now, at home, he's been unstoppable, but on the road, it's been a different story. Brewers need a consistent bat, and well, now Yasmani Grandal's hitting third. So that goes to show you, and that tells you exactly what has happened with this Brewers offense. And that's why I don't want to see, well, Yasmani Grandal, can he play first base? Why? So Manny Pena can get in the bat, and he can play every day, and his bat can be in the order every day? That makes no sense. Can Ryan Braun play first base? Now, last year, maybe that made a little sense, because you had Domingo Santana, which you no longer do. I don't know what the Brewers are going to do. They need to get off the home run side. They have they have an issue with their offense. I, I can deal with the pitching because you knew you were going to go through some growing pains with Woodruff and Burns and Peralta. You knew that. And if David Sturds didn't know that, then he was playing dumb. I can live with that. I can't live with Jesus Aguilar hitting under 200 and Travis Shaw hitting under 200 for the longest time. He has recently improved that because he's now he's hot from the batter's box when it comes to hitting home runs, but nobody's been on base. Christian Yelich has been below average on the road, and at home, he has absolutely carried the Brewers. They have a problem on offense. I'm willing to wait and see and say it's only April with the pitching, because they do have reinforcements on the way in Jimmy Nelson, and now with Gio Gonzalez as well. I'm not willing to say the same about their offense, because they got issues. Big issues. A team that had some issues last year, that was the Green Bay Packers, and those issues have been talked about in the offseason as well. I do want to talk about the Packers today, because Matt LaFleur... Spoke with the media earlier, and, and we're going to sit down and break apart his press conference, hear what he had to say. Uh, we're not we're not going to do that. I'm not going to indoctrinate you uh, with the Matt LaFleur press conference. But what we are going to do, there was one thing that stuck out to me. Uh, Matt LaFleur making some changes, and it's not in the playbook. It's not in the personnel. He's changing something else at Lambeau Field. And I want to share that with you and talk about how I absolutely love it. Packers talk. Matt LaFleur making some changes. We'll hit on that. Coming up next, you're listening to the Wisco Sports Show, presented by Play It Again Sports, right here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Streaming live always at WKTYsports.com. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. You want to join me? We're about to talk some Packers. Shoot me a text at 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. So Matt LaFleur went to the podium today, spoke with reporters, Packers uh, in the middle of some off-season activities. And it's it's always a buzz. There's always some interest anytime you have a, a, a new head coach, especially a first-year head coach, and especially in a franchise and in an organization on a team that hasn't had a new head coach in well over a decade. A lot of excitement, a lot of intrigue at Lambeau Field, and, and a fresh feeling, I would say, uh, judging the room and judging the tone of conversation in uh, Matt LaFleur's media availability. And this stuck out to me today. This jumped out. You know, Coaches have press conferences all the time, and for the most part, I really don't care what they say. I, we only have an hour to talk here on the show every night. I, I don't think there's a lot of time for us to 
well, what did Matt LaFleur say about this? And, and what were his thoughts on this? Because for the most part, it's, it's for the reporters. It's so they can take it uh, and, and, and hear what the coach has to say and use that in their pieces and their articles and in their, their content. I, I don't really know what it means, especially when we only have an hour to talk to each other every night. So I don't typically listen to a whole lot of press conferences. Obviously, when LaFleur was introduced, we listened to that. We broke that down. This is a little different. Matt LaFleur and, and Mike Spafford, who, who is a staff writer for the Packers, he's employed by the Packers to write stories for the Packers. Right? He's not an investigative journalist trying to scoop stuff up, uh, trying to find dirt on the Packers. He is a, essentially an extension of the organization. He is an extension of the organization. He wrote this piece earlier today. Coach LaFleur talking at his press conference about making some changes around Lambeau Field, not in the playbook, uh, not in the personnel, but in the literal aesthetics of Lambeau Field itself. Putting some new paint on the walls, replacing some old pictures, replacing some old faces on the wall with some new things. Now, the article didn't get into too much detail, uh, and Matt LaFleur didn't exactly talk about specifics as well. We'll hear from him in a minute. But the gist of it was taking down pictures of old players, Brett Favre, Bart Starr, taking down pictures of old coaches like Lombardi, like Holmgren, like McCarthy, and replacing it with pictures of current members of the Green Bay Packers. Here and now, 2019. Because in his press conference, he talked about, I wanted to make it about these guys. So reporters asked him, you're making some changes. Fresh paint, new pictures, new murals in the meeting rooms, and the hallways. What is that about? What was your goal uh, in, in, in these adjustments that you've made here in your first couple of months? Yeah, I wanted to make it about these guys. And... When, when you come to the Green Bay Packers, obviously you respect the tradition, the history. But for us and this football team, it's about making history. And, you know, we'll always, you know, pay credit and respect to, to what's been done here in the past. But, again, it's for us, it's moving forward. And, and the expectation level is always going to be great in this organization, as it should be. And... Uh, that's really the vibe and, and, and what I want our guys to focus on. Now, I don't know. Matt, Matt LaFleur, in most of his press conferences I've listened to, has had some sort of, of tagline. I don't know how different coaches go about this, but, you know, as a coach, you want to have mantras on certain things. You want to have sayings uh, that you repeat. And, and ultimately and ideally, you don't want them to be Mike McCarthy uh, saying, it's like anything, or, or, you know, those kind of taglines. They want to be meaningful. Now, Matt LaFleur talking about how you respect the history of the Green Bay Packers and the history of coaches and players. But for us, it's about making history. We want to make history. We don't want to think and look at history of the past. We want to make our own. And I, I, I love that. The Malafleur comes in in his first couple of months and says, take these pictures down, put up pictures of this team. Put up pictures of recent history, not of ancient history. Not even of 2010, because when you think about it, Packers have Aaron Rodgers, they have Tremont Williams, and they have Mason Crosby, and I believe, unless there's someone I'm forgetting, that those are the three players. Brian Bulaga, maybe? I'll have to double-check that. That are left over from the Packers' Super Bowl team. That's it. You think about a 53-man roster, four or three guys, because my memory stinks, that ain't even close to a majority. That's not even a minority. That's just a, a small handful. Let's not make it about 2010. Let's not make it about the 60s or the Brett Favre era. Let's make it about 2019. And this is something, and this is, I, I don't take issue with this, but I find it annoying that when Green Bay Packer fans get in an argument, they get in a debate, let's say with a Vikings fan or with a Bears fan or with anyone. Man, we got the rings. We got the Super Bowls. How many rings do you have? How many Super Bowls do you have? Right? Well, 
when you think about it, it's been nine years now since the Packers have won a Super Bowl. Going on nine years. I guess it's been eight years going on nine. And they really haven't been close since 2014. And this is the question that I posed to myself earlier. I was doing a little bit of a thought experiment. If you take away 2010, you take away Brett Favre and Vince Lombardi and Mike Holmgren, what are the Green Bay Packers? If you take away every, look at it this way. Don't think of individual players and coaches and years. Let's say the, the NFL is brand new and it's starting right now. And the Green Bay Packers don't have the history, the rich history to lean back on. And they don't have Brett Favre, Bart Starr, Vince Lombardi, Mike Holmgren. Take that away. Put everybody on an equal playing field. What are they? What do they have? They have an aging Aaron Rodgers, who I still think to be just about or in the conversation for the best quarterback, best football player in the NFL. You have Devontae Adams, who's a superstar wide receiver. And you have your left tackle in David Bakhtiari. You have a young group of, de- uh, of defensive players who you like. And you have a promising young head coach. Okay? Let's focus on Aaron Rodgers. Let's focus on Devontae Adams. Some, some promising players on defense and a young head coach, right? You might, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. Like my spot. You know who else has, has some of those things? <laughs> the, the Cincinnati Bengals. They have a star wide receiver. They have A.J. Green. They have a young, unproven, promising head coach in Zach Taylor. You take away the history... You take away the, the rich tradition and past, they're a quarterback's difference from the Cincinnati Bengals. Think about that for a second. Think about that for a moment. Take away the history, the tradition. And I, I know this is hypothetical because that stuff doesn't go away. That stuff does exist. But let's think in the scope of 2019 and what will become the 2020 season. I, I don't know if you would brag currently about the Packers situation. You like the promise, you like the upside. Got a couple first-round draft picks, can't overlook that. But I think Lambeau Field and the Green Bay Packers as a whole, they do need some changes. They do need to say, okay, yes, we love what's gone on in the past. All the way back to Vince Lombardi. Hell, all the way back to the early 1920s. Think back to Curly Lambeau, right? The tradition is there, the history is there. But take that away and focus on the here and now. Man, I, I don't know if the Packers are even close to the NFL team who's in the in the best place to win right now. Look at the Rams. Look at the Chiefs. Seahawks are in an interesting spot. The Cowboys are in an interesting spot. The Vikings certainly are as well. And the Bears for sure. And that's just the NFC outside of uh, Kansas City. I, I, you take away the tradition. You take away the brand. And I don't know if the Packers really have that much to brag about. I like Matt LaFleur coming in and saying, yeah, we respect the tradition. We respect the history. But we are about making history, not dwelling on it. And I don't know if that's something that he rehearsed or something that he thought, you know what, this is going to be my mantra for the year, right? I don't know if that was something that was premeditated or if that just worked out nicely in a press conference. Which, side note, Matt LaFleur is, is certainly coming across as more comfortable in, in press conferences and in his media availability. But man, oh man. Since 2010, what do the Packers have to brag about? There's, they basically had two wasted seasons to an Aaron Rodgers injury. They stepped on their own you-know-what in 2014 and made every possible mistake under the sun, which was the only way they were going to not make the Super Bowl. That's what happened. 2016, Aaron Rodgers turned into Superman and was the best player on the planet, bar none, not even close, uh, for a two-month a two period, almost a three-month period, and carried a team that had Ladarius Gunter as their number one corner to the NFC Championship game. Not exactly a proud moment. You, you, a Sunday night football game against the Lions, getting getting killed on your home turf, 
And then the camera panning up to your GM, and it looks like he's half asleep. He's not even there. The Packers recently certainly don't have a lot to brag about. Now, this year is this year. Young, promising head coach, like the fit, like the changes that are going to be made, and, and a general manager who at least has what appears to be his mental faculties about him, which is more than you can say about Ted Thompson. And look, when I make comments like that, I'm not trying to disparage Ted Thompson. But the situation was the situation. They have two first-round draft picks. So like They have some ammunition to really take a big step compared to last year and the year before. But you take away those, mural, those murals and those pictures off the halls of Lambeau Field, it also becomes a little bit more humbling for this team. They feel like they have something to prove. They feel like they have history to make themselves because they can't lean back on the history that was 2010 and before. I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And if you go to a game at Lambeau, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I want to keep talking about this. And if you want to join me with a text uh, on the uh, five-star telecom talking text line, you can do so, 608-796-2558. A couple things we got to talk about. I want to continue to talk about Green Bay because I think this is fascinating. The Bucks also had their playoff times announced. We'll get to that uh, and a whole lot more before we say goodbye for the night. The Wisco Sports Show in its final segment is coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Matt LaFleur making some changes. Not just in the playbook, not in the scheme. We all knew that was coming, but actually to the physical parts of Lambeau Field. Some aesthetic changes. Slapping some new paint on the walls. Changing out the pictures, right? Focusing on the here and now. They say we respect the history. We respect what's happened in the past. We want to make our own history. Actually, let's let's check that out one more time. For those of you who may have missed it, this is Matt LaFleur talking about why exactly he wanted to change a couple things uh, and wanted to switch a few things up around Lambeau Field. Yeah, I wanted to make it about these guys. And when, when you come to the Green Bay Packers, obviously you respect the tradition, the history. But for us and this football team, it's about making history. And, you know, we'll always you know, pay credit and respect to, to what's been done here in the past. But again, it's for us, it's moving forward. And, and the expectation level is always going to be great in this organization, as it should be. And uh, that's really the vibe and, and, and what I want our guys to focus on. Want to be about making our own history, not about facing and, and focusing on years past. And, and we talked about how, Look, if you take away the history of the Packers and you, and you just set the NFL right now on equal footing, I don't think the Packers are in the top five best situations. You could maybe argue for the top ten just because of Aaron Rodgers and, and Devontae Adams. But look, I, I made the comparison to the Bengals. They have A.J. Green, right? They have a young up-and-coming head coach in Zach Taylor. The difference is the quarterback. Like I, The Packers' situation right now, take the logo off the helmet, Right? Let's forget about the tradition. Let's forget about the history. I, I mean, I don't know if there would be a, a, a whole lot to brag about. You like the upside. You like what's going on. But uh, but here and now, the Packers got some things to do. They have some things to prove. And I loved reading that. I absolutely loved hearing that piece of the press conference and reading that article that Matt Spafford, or Mike Spafford, excuse me, put out because I, I, I want Packers fans to stop dwelling on the past, to stop bragging about 2010 and all the championships uh, back in the, back in the the '60s, and then with Brett Favre, like I let's focus on the here and now. Let's take care of what's in front of us. And la- so last year, I went to a game at Lambeau, and, and maybe this is part of my frustration with this situation as well. Uh, I, let's see, I went to a Packer game last year. 
believe I went two years ago. I've gone to a small amount of Packers games the last couple of years, and they all start to run together. But one thing that I do remember every time, nothing changes. Nothing changes at Lambeau Field. And that's why I like to hear this Matt LaFleur. Like, every time the Packers score a touchdown, what is it? This song plays every single touchdown. And I don't know how for how many years. Maybe older members of our audience who've been to many more Packer games than I can speak to it. But Packers score a touchdown, what plays? Yes, it's, it's, it's this song every time. And, and the Packers fans go, all right, let's stand up. Let's clap. Let's stand up. Because let's be real. Packers fans don't like to stand up and yell. Brewers fans don't like to stand up and yell. They like to sit down. Here, this damn song again. And I look at, like, my first Packer game, I believe, uh, was in 2009. Maybe 2008, 2009. So it was a while ago, but I remember they were playing that song. Playing that song. That was 10 years ago now. Getting close to 10 years ago, I should say. And then, like, Packers run out of the tunnel. What plays? Yes, it's this song. Uh, Because why not? Like, nothing's new. Nothing changes. Nothing is updated. And I know we're talking about the music in the stadium here. Like, that's kind of a microcosm and a little mini representation of the Packers as a whole. Right? And I think that's what Matt LaFleur is trying to deal with. We respect the history. We, We respect the tradition and what's going on. But we want to make our own history. We want to make our own mark. And until we forget and stop dwelling on the past, I don't know if that's possible. And I think that goes into the aesthetic changes in Lambeau Field. Bob, 608, first, here we go. 608-796-2558. Shoot me a text on the five-star telecom talking text line. Bob Stock says, do you think they will put Ty Montgomery's picture up at Lambeau? LOL. Bob, look, what do they say? Either be a great example or a horrible warning, right? Well, Ty Montgomery would be a horrible warning of what they don't want the Green Bay Packer players to do, right? Be like that. So maybe they will put Ty Montgomery's picture up uh, and, and all the the players. Yeah, Demarius Randall, uh, Jermaine Whitehead, all, all the players that have been cut or left in uh, unceremonious ways. Yeah, throw their picture up. They can be, example, <laughs> can be examples uh, for the players of now to follow, right? We're not dwelling on history. We're not dwelling on the past. We want to make our own mark. And I think Matt LaFleur is taking a step in the right direction. It's aesthetic. It's something that doesn't mean a whole lot, but I love the symbolism of it because I just, I that sticks with me. When I go to Lambeau Field and they're still playing that damn Ozzy Osbourne song that's been in every Madden video game since 2003, right? And they're still playing Todd Rundgren, bang the, oh yeah, he scores, stand up, I don't bang on the drum all day. Like, come on. Something new? Something hip? Like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl two years ago, they are playing Dreams and Nightmares. They were embracing Meek Mill, right? And I know the, the there's not exactly a, a large group of rappers to come out of Green Bay, so maybe that's a bad example, but Update! This team is this team. It's not the team in 2010. It's not the team in 1960. It's this team. Be unique. Embrace this team and the characters on this team. That's why I get frustrated when we talk about good locker room guys. and They, they just embody the green and gold. I don't want guys who embody the Packers. I want guys who are going to win. All right, so yeah, okay, well, this pass rusher isn't the, the Christian man who didn't cuss like Reggie White back in the 90s, but can he get sacks? All right, then fine. Then this Packers team can be about that. Doesn't have to be Reggie White. Doesn't have to be Brett Favre. We don't have to dwell on the past. We'll make our own mark. God. I'm see, I'm firing myself up about this. This is something that matters to me. This is something that's really important. Is that just an indictment on me? Is that just an example of how lame I am and the things that I, I allow to upset me? I don't know. Bucks are off for a couple of days. The Brewers will have tomorrow off, so we won't have any live sports action here on WKTY. Tomorrow, uh, we hope to be joined by Eric Name, who covers the Bucks for the Athletic. 
Uh, he does hits all around the state. Used to be at ESPN in Milwaukee. Uh, used to be at the Fan in Milwaukee, and, and we've had a couple of guests on from that station as well. But hopefully, talking to Eric Name, uh, I'm sure you read some of his work if you follow the Bucks closely. Hope to have him on to to preface and to prepare for the Boston series, which now we know is going to start on Sunday. I said the other day I would expect it to start on Saturday, but they're going to wait all the way until Sunday. Uh, game one is going to be at the Pfizer Forum at noon, 12 p.m. Central Time, 4:28. Now the rest of the games. Our TBD. We know the games, or we know the days of the games. It's going to be Sunday, then Tuesday, and then it will shift to Boston for Friday and Monday, and then back to, uh, well, actually, excuse me, Boston back, yes, Friday and Monday, back to Milwaukee for game five if necessary on Wednesday, uh, then Friday back at Boston, and if it goes all the way to game seven, we're looking at May 13th. As we sit here on the 24th, we're thinking this game goes seven games. Uh, it, it's going to take all the way until May 13th. But we'll worry about those games when they come. Right now we know the time of Game 1, and that's Sunday at noon. So that game will be here on WKTY. Pre-game will start at 11.30. And I'm not going to lie, I like the early game because I can move on and, and do something with the rest of my day. I don't have to sit around and worry about it. I don't have to sit around and dwell on it. So those are the game times. Like I said, we're going to talk a lot of bucks tomorrow. Uh, and obviously we're going to get ready for the draft as well. Uh, I know Dave and Scrady and company are going to be talking about uh, talking about the draft tomorrow morning and obviously reacting to it on Friday as well because when we come back on Friday, we are going to be talking about probably two new Packers players. There is a chance, I guess, that they trade out of the first round, and there is, I think, even a smaller chance that they trade up into the third round or the first round for a third time. I, I don't necessarily see either of those happening, so I think we're going to be talking about new, two new Packers on Friday. Uh, and, of course, we'll basically go right up until the draft starts tomorrow night. Draft is at 7, so we'll talk until 6. So Bucks and draft tomorrow night. Game 1 is going to be on Sunday at noon when it gets underway against Boston. I, You know, we talked to Bart Winkler from the fan yesterday. I am going to take this series a little bit personally. This is the small guy. This is David versus Goliath, right? This is a team that everybody wants to win. That's the bigger name, the bigger brand that everybody wants uh, for the health and the ratings of the NBA playoffs. And the Bucks. Don't matter, right? Nobody wants to see the Bucks win because they're small town, they're Milwaukee, regardless of Giannis, right? Well, when Giannis gets a jump shot, I guess maybe we'll talk about him, or more so when Giannis uh, goes to a bigger team, we'll talk about him. I want the Bucks to force people to talk about them, force people to watch them, and that starts on Sunday noon. It will be game one of the second round. First time the Bucks have been there since 2001, so it should be exciting. The thought that the Bucks could continue into a portion of the NBA playoffs that I've always loved watching, but it's never included my team. It's it's separate. It almost feels like a different sport. Right? You have the regular season and the first round, and that's when I watch the Bucks, and then I kick back and I watch other teams in the second and third round and in the NBA finals. And to think that those two things could coincide this year is pretty damn cool. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Eric Name from The Athletic, we hope to have him joining us. Uh, and we'll talk draft as well because we are, uh, we're getting darn close to a couple new members of the Green Bay Packers. Two first-round picks tomorrow night, so we'll talk about that as well. Until then, I'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Have an awesome Thursday night. The Brewers, you got the Brewers loss out of the way with, so you don't have to worry about that. Enjoy your night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.